Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Misechtas Yevamas, beginning the 15th chapter, Parak Tesvav, Mishnah Aleph, Mishnah Beis. And we're returning to a topic that came up formerly in the 10th Parak. And that is, although normally we require two witnesses to say a man died, there are certain leniencies, which we began learning in the Parak Yud, that a woman, the wife, can come back and the sages believe her if she says her husband dies, although there are certain caveats that we will see, as well as part of the reason we believe her is because of the penalties that we put in place in the event that she's lying or mistaken. So we assume she's going to do her due diligence so that she, uh, her husband's actually dead and she doesn't end up in a case where she has to divorce both her new husband and her old husband, as well as creating cases of mamzeris between her children. And all this was Mishumi Guna. We don't want a woman to end up being an Aguna, so we do as much as we can to mitigate that, but obviously we can't do everything because we still have to worry about mistakes. What exactly does it mean a woman comes and says her husband dies? That's the subject of our Mishnah. When her husband go on a, go overseas, we know there's peace between her and her, her, her and her husband. And there's peace in the world. There's no state of war. She comes back and says, my husband died. He now says she's believed to remarry. And if she says, my husband died and we have children, she's believed as well, and she performs even with his brothers. If there's peace between her and herself, but there's war in the world, or this conflict between her and her husband, but there's peace in the world. And she says, my, hu- my husband died. I don't believe her. And what's the exact line here? So if there's, uh, if they're fighting, so we can assume that she wants to get divorced. He didn't want to. So she's lying. And if there's wars, well, war creates a lot of confusion. Maybe she thought he died, but he didn't in fact die. So we uh, we put an uh, we raised the bar of what's considered evidence that her husband's dead, and we're not going to necessarily believe her. Comes along with Yehudi and says, no, we don't believe a woman. Unless she comes mourning. She's crying and her, to- her clothes are torn. Um, whether uh, she's displaying signs of mourning or she doesn't, we believe her and allow her to remarry, allow her to give him, etc. Okay, Mishnah Beis is actually a fascinating methodological discussion, which we're not going to get into, but basically it comes down to that it's clearly not the way it was intended, that we were going to believe a woman, uh, a woman's testimony, especially even a woman's testimony who's testifying alone. Uh, for some reason, we allow it, as we mentioned, because of Yaguna, and Beishan and are really going to get argue and get the crux of what does it mean to create a leniency to this extent to make a t- sort of takana, a rabbinic enactment, and how far can we, does it extend, and how far can we extend it beyond what its original intent was? So, uh, let's begin that. Beishan Omer, basically he says as follows, that there was one year where a woman came and said her husband was bitten by a snake, and he was out, and he was in harvesting, he was out harvesting, um, it's actually important. What was he harvesting? He was harvesting grain. And the rabbi said, you know what? We believe Mishimi Guna, we're going to be Mako. We could assume you did your due diligence. Listen, if you didn't, so here are the, all the punishments we're going to give on you. We're going to hand over to you. Says Basilo that the only time we're going to rely on a woman to testify and an Eidecha to testify is when it's a similar analogous situation of a, man com- a woman coming from the field where her husband was harvesting grain and said he's bitten by a snake. Just like that was. But other than that, barring that, we're not going to allow. We can't just uh, willy-nilly, on our own, extend a takana beyond its original intention. He's an he's the original originalist over here. We have Anthony Scalia talking over here. Armelin Beishamai. Beishamai says, no, what are you talking about? Whether the woman's coming from the grain harvest, that her husband was bitten while he's harvesting grain. Zaysimer says his husband was coming from harvesting olives. Zaysimer coming from harvesting grapes. Just, by the way, totally random. That, um... 
that uh, katsir and vatsir are just different words, uh, words used to describe to describe the various harvest of, of fruits. That we just say harvesting, but the Gemara has different terms for harvesting depending on the crop. Okay. And if we believe that, so, so too she comes from another country. Not that they're out harvesting, we believe him. The sages established a law, mentioned the grain, grain harvest, only because that's how it happened. But you surely can extend this, this uh, hetter beyond that. Retracts their ruling and rules like base Shammai. Now, again, methodologically, there's a lot here to discuss how far do we extend these Takanas of Chachamim. We're not going to get into that now, obviously, so I wish you all a wonderful day.